is a passage related to the morning passage from Proverbs. And so Paul has selected Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 to 12, which is on page 533 of your Pew Bible. So Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 to 12. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be so wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. chapter of Proverbs 9, you'll see it's a, it's, it's kind of a, um, there's a fight going on here. It's, it's uh, two women fighting, right? Which is never an attractive thing. Um, I'm just dismayed by some of the, the uh, so-called sports that involve that. But it happens, and spiritually it happens. And the battle royale is between Mrs. Wisdom, or Ms. Wisdom, and Ms. Folly. And uh, Wisdom builds her house, and then Ms. Folly comes along, and she has a house, but it's, the contrast couldn't be more marked. Miss Wisdom has built a house, has made it strong and powerful, um, and provided for the people in the house. Whereas Miss Folly builds her house on seduction and uh, nonsense, and, and she uh, has the very form of the seductive woman that's in the beginning of Proverbs, and then really it's a metaphor throughout Proverbs of the seduction of the world. Um, and it really is, it is a picture of the spiritual conflict that we are involved in. It is a constant battle to um, keep our focus upon Christ and His righteousness and our position in Christ and to keep ourselves from the world. And that's the admonition of 1 John uh, over and over again. And the thought that led me here, uh, I think is apparent uh, from 1 John 5, 
some difficult verses but it talks about in verse 16 to those who about the sins that do not lead to death there's a sin that leads to death and it, do not say that one should pray for that I mean there and the implication is is there a point that people go that um, that you know we wonder if we should even continue to pray uh, all wrongdoing is sin um, but there is a sin that does not lead to death and the um, thought in Proverbs 9 beginning at verse 7 is similar to that how do we deal with someone who we know and love is deliberately sinning against the truth what happens when you attempt to correct uh, someone uh, in in that condition so that's the that's the thought that led led me back to uh, this passage and so three things the result of what happens when you reprove a scoffer um, the second thing is the result of, of reproving uh, a wise man contrasted with that and then thirdly the purpose of uh, instruction um, you know there's a um, Most of our controversies internally in the church are usually over differences of opinion, you know, or differences of thoughts about um, how we should do a certain thing or what we should do at a particular uh, time. And 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 in some forms of our service and some forms of our worship, I, I never forget the uh, story I heard one time or read one time. I'm aware about two churches that were in Kansas who who uh, were united in almost every point of doctrine. They were just a few miles apart. And uh, the only difference they had was one said, uh, forgive us our debts in the Lord's Prayer. And one said, forgive us our trespasses. And that's the only, that's the only difference uh, that they had. And so they decided they would uh, consolidate their efforts, meet in one place, and, and gather together, which they did. Things went along fine for a while, and yet uh, those old, seated uh, controversies and troubles still existed, and, and finally they decided to separate again. And it was, it was a, a public scandal and a bad witness because it appeared in the local newspaper that one church uh, uh, return to its debts and the other to its trespasses. <laughs> I think that's a true story. I'm not it should be. But, but not many things in the church are like that. It's simply there's a small matter that becomes large. And the scripture is full of ways for us to properly deal with those uh, controversies um, most famously the discipline of the church in Matthew 18 it gives us a very uh, the Lord Jesus gives uh, us a very clear uh, manner of dealing with sin issues in the church and uh, as I said this morning the first thing we should do in the admonition of John is to pray about those matters and our brother 
And sister, I, I take this, this is advice I take to heart, and I find that once I've prayed about a matter with someone's sin issue, that my sin issues are much worse, and so I'll need to work on mine first, and then worry about someone else's later. And that's most of the time for me, uh, it, and it saves me a lot of trouble um, doing that. Um, the second uh, thing to do is, after having pray, prayed about it, to um, uh, search, diligently search my heart and, and, and uh, take the advice of the Lord Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount to look at the log in my own eye before I proceed to take it out of someone else's or the, the, speck, um, the speck in someone else's that I noticed and that is irritating me. And, the, and then the third thing is uh, reproof. Telling someone uh, that they do have a sin issue, it is a serious one, and they um, uh, need to pay attention. And, and, uh, and sometimes it's necessary. But what happens when you try to rebuke someone who is a scoffer or a fool? Well, scripture before us tells us, verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Um, scripture is full of examples of this. The most one of the most famous I can think of is John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a ministry of rebuke and reproof to to uh, all of those who uh, to those who were self righteous and trusted in themselves and came to him because it was a popular fad to get baptized by him in the wilderness. Uh, he called them brood of vipers and sent them away. And finally, when he, uh, he gets put in prison for his, uh, for his uh, public uh, criticism of Herod, um, he's put to death because he refuses not, uh, not to speak the truth when he's called to speak the truth. Um, Sometimes that's a, and he who reproves, I, I know no greater injury than reproving a wicked man like King Herod than what happened to John the Baptist. He was uh, killed for pointing out the truth. We're seeing some of this played out in our current events. People who, who um, have observed injustice and wrong have reported it supposedly, and uh, as a result, they're they are they're being uh, vilified. Um, sometimes it's costly to speak the truth, either publicly or in the church, but it should not stop us uh, from doing so. I know personally, um, myself, members of this uh, board of elders at times have spoken up uh, very forthrightly uh, about things that we saw that were wrong and uh, we were not given medals or badges of honor, uh, and that's okay. Sometimes we bear uh, that reproach, uh, 
But it seems, what seems to be the case here in verses 7 and 8, that we that uh, there's caution we should exercise caution in doing those things and sometimes uh, this is wise uh, to exercise caution jesus jesus made it very clear in the sermon on the mount after making it clear how to go about properly uh, dealing with sin issues with others he then turns around and says, don't cast your pearls before swine in chapter 7, verse 6. Because what happens if you cast your pearls before swine? They'll turn and trample you underfoot. There is a point where you go so far and you go no further. And that, that is the thought, I believe, that John is trying to communicate in 1 John chapter 5 when he says, um, uh, there, I don't say, I don't, I don't mean there is a sin that goes so far that I don't say that you should pray for that. Uh, when things have gone uh, so far uh, that you should leave it alone. And the same way of wisdom um, that the um, wisdom personified here is urging for us. The Lord Jesus, in his contention with the Pharisees over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, after his advice to his disciples, to them, was to leave them alone. There are some times that you simply leave the sinner alone in their sin. Uh, there is the sin that leads to death. We don't know that. That's our problem. We don't know what that is or when that is. And that's why I think John's advice in 1 John chapter 5 is somewhat vague. It's something that to, to think about and, and to consider. But I know that in the few discipline cases that we've had that have gone all the way to the end, sadly, uh, there comes a point in that last fearsome stage of church discipline when you simply say to a person, have your way, have your own way. You let them go. And it is a fearsome thing. On the other hand, contrast that when you give instruction or reproof to a wise man. What is the result of that? It says he will be wiser still. The goal of church discipline or goal of reproof, training in righteousness, is restoration. The purpose is not to condemn, not to punish, not to hurt anyone. The purpose is to restore them. The Lord disciplines every, every one of his sons. He brings them back uh, again and again. And someone who is willing to listen will be still wiser. A famous, the most famous discipline case in the Bible is King David. And when he had committed the horrible public sins of, of uh, adultery and then murder to cover it up 
you talk about a scandal in high government places. Hey, how could it be any worse? And then, and then going even further to lie about it publicly. And apparently this went on for months until God appointed Nathan the prophet to come and tell him a story about uh, an evil man who took a poor man who had many, many sheep. He took a poor man's one sheep and, and uh, when just because he could. And David was enraged by that story and Nathan points his finger at, at David and says, you are the man. Sometimes discipline takes time. Sometimes uh, um, dear ones or fools for a season but then, like David, they are convicted and they repent. And it is glorious good news that uh, the Lord often calls us back to himself. Um, the result of, of reproving a wise man is he becomes wiser still. He, he, he knows the, the joy of forgiveness. He knows the the virtue of humility uh, of acknowledging sin and turning from it uh, so often um, when confronted we we go deeper into our own sin and rebellions and that is the way the book of proverbs throughout contrasts the life of the fool with the life of the wise um, And it's not always clear. One of my, one of the most curious verses. I, I mean, I encourage you just to, just to get your Bible concordance and if you if some of you still have an old concordance, you can look up words. Just look up the word fool. And if you have a phone like mine with the Bible on it as a search engine, just just type in fool. And I, I encourage you just to read all the passages. I was just uh, it's fascinating to see all ways. Uh, that the word the fool is used and condemned uh, in contrast to the wives. But one of the most curious ways is in Proverbs chapter 26. And, and again, it, it teach, and here we see this ambivalence between how to deal with someone who's acting foolishly. In chapter 26, verse 4, it says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Good advice. Yeah. Look at verse 5. Sometimes we answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So when do you do that? When do you do either one? You do it as, as the circumstances and the the uh, situation uh, requires that requires wisdom and that comes with experience and, and, and prayer and seeking God's truth and all of those spiritual exercises that, that I mentioned earlier self self searching uh, looking at the law of the log in our eye before we proceed to remove the speck in someone else's. And then finally, 
we see the purpose of reproof and instruction in the Word of God. What, what, is, the, what is the purpose of it? What is God doing uh, or the result of it? The purpose of instruction is, verse 10, the fear of the Lord. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And then verse 11, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Um, the acquisition of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One, which is the Lord none less than the Lord Jesus, will lengthen your days. Does that mean you're going to live to 105? I don't think that's what's in view here. I think it is a reference to eternal life. Eternal life in the presence of God. Uh, this is this is the uh, this is the insight of the gospel that the gospel requires us to have. Jesus Jesus says, "Don't be afraid of those who can kill you." Basically, you say, don't be afraid of the government. Huh. Because what, after they've killed you, what else can they do? Be afraid of God, who's on the throne, who after he has killed your body, is, is he has the right to cast you into hell if you have not put your faith and trust in his provision for righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. Um, that, that's how we should live. We should live fearlessly in the presence of this world, not fearful of what the world might do to us or could do to us. Uh, the psalmist in, uh, in uh, Psalm 90, which is attributed to Moses, teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. The average age then was apparently 70 that's the days that God gave. And, and if you were strong, you might get 80. We've gone uh, many times far, far beyond that in the present of where we live. And sometimes, uh, I think I even read a chart, though, that the, the uh, average age of, uh, of, uh, in America is going down for the first time in the last several years. And uh, I, I, I think the reason is the consequences that are mentioned here. You, you, you will, there will be nothing but sorrow and discipline, uh, and, and di not only discipline, but punishment for the ones who reject God's wisdom. But the Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. He invites us to get wisdom. And the source of wisdom is no less than the person of Jesus, who is written of, written of in Isaiah 55, where he says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor? For that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich 
food. Incline your ear. Come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Over 300 years after David, Isaiah the prophet references the covenant with David for everyone who would come. And we know that covenant is fulfilled by David's greater son, the Lord Jesus. So the invitation is to come without money and buy wine and milk without money and without price. We live in a world where we are tempted every day to spend our labor for that which does not ultimately satisfy, that will only give at best a temporary moment of pleasure. We are invited to feast at the Lord's table. And that's what we have before us, this humble, humble meal that God has set forth before the church for all generations until Christ returns to remind us of where the richest food is, and it's in Christ. We're, we are invited to feast upon Christ. Not, not that these elements turn into his body and blood, of course not, but to experience union with Christ in the very special and tangible way that we can only do through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So that is the invitation. And before we come to the Lord's table, we need to come to Jesus and realize that when we come and partake of these elements, we really do come to him and experience a renewal of that covenant that we first entered into when we first put our faith and trust in Jesus. If you have not done that tonight, I urge you to do so, even now as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the source of wisdom one who is wisdom personified, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you, Father, you are, you are perfect in your, your wisdom that you impart to us in your word. We confess that so often we have been fools. We have followed our own ways. We have not listened to the rebuke of your word. We have not done the things that you have uh, commanded us to do rather uh, followed in our own way. Grant us uh, repentance. Prepare us to partake of, of uh, this meal in a way that does not bring judgment upon ourselves, that if we would examine ourselves uh, rightly and truly, uh, that we would not um, drink judgment on ourselves. Father, thank you for Jesus, the one who prepared us for this very thing. We pray in his name. Amen.